Creed, the Apostles' Creed, and we are looking at the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. I was thinking about this. I thought, this is totally out of the focus of how I have looked at myself over the course of the uh, past few years. You know, I, I'm looking at the, the focus of health and long life, not death and life after death and resurrection of the body and life everlasting. But this is all part and parcel of the salvation that Jesus Christ uh, brings to us. I don't know how you are in your life and where you stand and the kind of confidence or lack of confidence in regards to uh, facing death in your life. Um, and maybe you wonder, you know, what's, what's after this life? Uh, I, I want to talk about that this morning and the great, great hope that uh, God provides for us. Let's pray together. Bless your word this morning, we pray. And we, we pray that you would encourage our hearts, place hope based on your promise that would embrace, be embraced by faith in every single one of our lives, that uh, this world is just a, a very, very slight foretaste uh, in all the happiness and delight and the blessings of this life that you provide, that it is just a small little foretaste of what you have for us intended in the life to come. And we give you thanks for that. Bless your word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. And everybody said, amen. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> um, you know, we don't know what death is like because uh, most of us have not experienced it. But I understand that about one out of every 25 people have actually had an experience with death, and they've come back from it. Uh, a woman died and <clears throat> met Peter at the pearly gates, and she asked, uh, did I really make it to heaven? And Peter said, uh, not really, but you, I've got one test for you. And she looked at him and said, you know, life has been really hard on earth, and you're going to give me a, another test. He said, well, it's pretty easy. He said, you've just got to spell one word. And she said, okay, what's that word? And Peter says, love. And she says, L-O-V-E. Peter says, you're in. A few months later, Peter came up to her and asked her to watch the gate for him. And lo and behold, her ex-husband shows up. And he asked her, did I really make it to heaven? He says, not really. I, you have one test. He says, what's the test? You've just got to spell this word. He says, what's the word? She says, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Do you know how to spell Czechoslovakia? I tried spelling it out when I was thinking about this, and I couldn't spell it. If that was the condition, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it. <clears throat> I don't know what makes you feel young in your life, but ever look at yourself and thinking, how, how come I'm getting old? <laughs> I don't feel old. You know, what makes you feel young when you're not young? And I believe that there's something in every single one of us that looks at aging and death as a foreign agent because we are never ordained to live that way. You're, we're never ordained to live having to face a limited amount of life because eternity has been put into every single one of our hearts. We have this uh, inner consciousness that we have been ordained 
to live forever. And so death and an end of life is a foreign thing to us. But the reality is that life beyond the grave is true. Uh, I like this expression. I, I just heard it this past week as um, I was passing the radio <clears throat> and Susan had a station playing. And it says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Get that? We are spiritual beings. Most of the time we focus in on our physical life, not our spiritual life. We are spiritual beings experiencing a human life for a short while, and we're passing through. <clears throat> There's three parts of our lives. We have a body, which we focus on a lot. We have a soul, which gives us a consciousness of ourselves. And we have a spirit that gives us a sense of eternity and a contact with God. And that's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that we are body, soul, spirit, and I believe we're living at the edge of eternity, every single one of us. And I think in, in terms of human history, that's where we are. We are on the verge of Jesus coming back again and eternity opening up in a brand new way to, to all of us. And this is being uh, expressed through a whole series of millions and millions of experiences all around the world we call near-death experience. Everybody say that. Near-death experiences. N-D-E. N-D-E stands for near-death experiences. <clears throat> One out of 25 persons in America have had near-death experiences. Um, I don't know. We might have maybe 75 people here. How many of you have ever had a near-death experience where you have either seen heaven, gone to heaven, come back, been at the point of death, and God allowed you to come back again. How many of you have had that kind of experience? Okay, one, two, okay. So that, that's pretty, pretty close, one out of every 25. <clears throat> the promise that God, Jesus Christ, has given us is that resurrection is not an idea. It's not a teaching uh, it's not something we work for. It's a relationship. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. We have resurrection. We have confidence of eternal life because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I love the song we were singing this morning about, about being close to the Lord because that's how we know that we have eternal life. Daniel says, many who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake to everlasting life. And we have family, friends that have gone by the way of the grave, but they are tasting life in heaven and one day uh, the resurrection of the body. If you were to die tonight, and I, I, I want you to take a look at yourself. If you were to die tonight, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? Is that a 100% assurance in your heart? Or... Uh, and I, I don't mean I hope so, I think so. Do you know, do you know for sure? How many, how many of you know 100% uh, with assurance, 100% that if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven? How, how many of you have that kind of assurance? Okay. I hope by the end of this uh, message, those of you that couldn't raise your hand, could raise your hand and say, I'm really sure. <clears throat> Here's some 
questions. What's, what's our view of heaven? You know, those, who, those of us that are here don't really know because we've never gone there. Just a few of us have had a little taste of it. What is heaven? Is it a physical place? Is it a state of mind? Is it somewhere far away? Is it right close to me? Uh, what will life be like in heaven? What will I be like in heaven? Uh, is there time in heaven? What will heaven look like? Do you really look forward to heaven? I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm not that anxious to get there. And I thought I should be anxious to get there. It's better than, you know, I, I teach it that it's much, much better than this life. And so I'm thinking, why, why don't I have this desire to want to be in heaven? And it's because I think I enjoy this life too much. And those who have had the struggles in this life and the difficulties of this life, and they're right in the midst, the throes of it all, would rather be taken to heaven. But when life gets a little more comfortable, you just enjoy what you're enjoying. I want to look at uh, Heaven is for Real. You heard the story of Colton Verple. And uh, I just want to take a look at this. We ask a lot of different questions. And the the creed assumes that you have concluded in your heart uh, what you believe because we have to ask the question, are we going to get to heaven? Uh, and I really appreciate what we're going to see. You're going to see a four-minute clip of uh, this seven-year-old boy that had an adventure taken to heaven and being brought back. So we'll take a look at that right now if we can get it on. The new film, Heaven is for Real, is coming to theaters April 16th. And it tells the story of a four-year-old boy, Colton Burpo's near-death experience, where he says he visited heaven. Watch. He's been out there staring for hours. Is something wrong with Colton? Why do you say that? Sometimes he says weird things. I've been here. I don't think we've been here before, pal. You had a grandpa named Pa, right? He died when I was about your age. He's very nice. You saw my grandfather? Where did you see him? In heaven. The film is based on the hit book, which sold 8 million copies and spent three years on the New York Times bestseller list. Todd, Sonia, and now 14-year-old Colton Burpo joined me live here on the set. Great to have all of you here. What an unbelievable yes. story. Todd, let me start with you, because Colton had a burst appendix. Yes, he did. And so you rushed him to the hospital. Was he, did he, quote, die in the way we understand when people's hearts stop? Well, he never flatlined or coded, but talking to the surgeon, he said, children that young, uh, they have no warning. Vital signs don't fade. They're just there or they're gone. But he never did technically just flatline. And Sonia, what was your first sign that Colton had an experience unlike most kids dealing with a burst appendix? Well, he told us stuff all along. It wasn't until July we were on a trip that he said the angels sang to him, and then he sat on uh, Jesus' lap. Four months later? Four months later. He said he sat on Jesus' lap. Well, he was saying stuff before. We just weren't listening. Um, we weren't paying attention. That one got your attention. Well, I mean, he was telling us stuff all along. We just were so emotionally, mentally strained. I mean, 17 days in the hospital really wipes you out. Wow. Colton, you're 14 now. Do you still have a conscious memory of this experience? Well, of my hospital stay and all the events leading up to it, um, that's a little foggy, but 
my experience in heaven is very vivid. What do you remember about it? Well, I remember just all of the people up in heaven. There were people, angels, animals, and they had so many things up there that you could do. Do you remember, because we played in one of the clips, um, an episode where you said you met your sister. Can yes. you tell us about that? Um, well, I was entering through the gates of heaven, and this little girl came running out at me, and she gave me a hug. Now, when I was younger, I wasn't really the hugging type, so I was just sitting here, okay, who are you? Why are you touching me? And finally, she told me who she was, and it was just amazing because she was finally glad someone from her family was up in heaven. And yet, Sonia, he wasn't talking about his actual sister. Mm, no. Tell us. He was talking about a, a baby had miscarried between our first and um, third child, and we hadn't told about him. How do you tell a person that, a, you know, how do you tell a child that a baby has died inside your tummy? Because that's what she told you, mm -hmm. that, she had, that mm -hmm. she had been in your mommy's tummy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that about when you started to believe him, Todd? Well, uh, right before then, he talked about leaving his body, and what really caught our attention at first is when he could tell us where we were and what we were doing while he was in surgery. Because how can anyone make that up? I tried to reason away what he was saying, but the scene where he said he saw me yelling at God and his mom in another room, he, he nailed all that first. That was the first thing. That's not asked. something he could have heard on his own while not he was... Not at all. You don't brag about anything like that to someone. My wife couldn't have told you where I was in that room yelling at God. You know, so many people who are not religious, don't believe in an afterlife, will look at this and say, you believe that because you want to believe that, and you put ideas in Colton's head. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, just that picture of the Prince of Peace kind of disproves that. Um, here, Akiana comes from a family that doesn't, that's atheist and doesn't believe in God, and she printed a, made a picture at age five, age eight, sorry, that um, depicted Jesus, and they, she never went to church. Colton, does it change the way you lead your life now and the way you think about death? Um, I'm not really scared of death now because, first of all, I know what to expect, so... I have that going for me. Um, but another thing is, um, before I die, I want to be able to share as much as I can so I can bring as many people with me. Over to the other good place. Yes. Thank you very much. Good to see you all. We'll be checking out that movie for sure. All the best. Good. Thank, Thank you. you. Isn't that an amazing story? <laughs> There's all kinds of... Uh, Stories like that, that you can find now that was not available before on, on YouTube. You know, you just type in near-death experiences and there will be thousands of those kinds of stories. And I believe that uh, the reason that is happening is to be able to tell us that heaven is very near to us in our period uh, that we live in in history. And so one, one of the drives that uh, Colton has now is to share as, with many people as he can the reality of heaven. And I just want to take a look at how you look at yourself and your relationship with, with Jesus and heaven. How can you be assured of your salvation? And I think that's a really basic uh, grounding foundation for every single one of us. Uh, I was 15 years old when I got that assurance in my heart. I was searching for, for a whole decade, wanting to know, could I, would I, can I be assured that I could get to heaven? 
And at 15, I had that assurance. And it was based on these thoughts <clears throat> from, from the scriptures. I couldn't put it together at that time. All I knew was an assurance was in my heart. And it was based on these uh, insights from scripture. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life, resurrection from the dead, from the in, uh, resurrection of our bodies is a gift God gives to us. It's not nothing, you know, have you ever had to pay for a gift that someone gave you? Maybe there are certain situations where people did some marketing ploy to do that. But, you know, normally when a person gives you a gift, there's no string attached. You know, they just give it to you without price. And when God gives us this gift of eternal life, it is a gift. The, but how do you make a gift yours? You know, you take it out of the hand of the person who's holding it, right? You receive it. You, you accept it. <clears throat> this is one of the most powerful scriptures for me that helped me nail down the, the assurance in my heart that eternal life was mine. And this is a testimony God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his, what does it say? Son. It's in his son. It's not in what you do. It's not how you perform. It's not what you accomplish in life. It's eternal life is in his son. If you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the son of God, you don't have life. <clears throat> it's not based on works. It's not based on following the Ten Commandments. It's based on grace that God gives freely to us and based on faith. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. That is the big promise God gives to us. It's a gift. If you receive it, Realize that you can't work for it, and when it's embraced and you have the sun in your life, you have life. And I just realized, I have eternal, I don't ever have to be afraid of death. I have the assurance of heaven. The, a big question that we ask is not only, am I going to get there, but what is it like? What, what is heaven like? And um, I... I have pointed to this book many, many times, written by John Burke. It's called Imagine Heaven, and it is a, it is a result of a thousand studies of individuals who have NDE, near-death experiences. And he has filtered through every single one of these thousand stories of people that claim they have gone to heaven, come back, and gotten... Uh, rid of all the ones that could have been just fictitious until he came down to 126 of these stories, put them all together in a book called Imagine Heaven, categorized it all. And uh, what basically it will tell us is that what Jesus experienced when he died and he rose again and had his body after death is the kind of body that you and I will have one day. He will transform our bodies into conformity uh, with his body. So I want you to, we're going to do two clips on uh, John Burke. He's a, he's a former atheist, 
that came to know Christ in his life and was just uh, so intensely interested in the afterlife for 30 years and then compiled together uh, all of the research in this one book, and he's going to summarize it. So uh, let's, this is when he talks about um, how old are people in heaven? John Burke is the New York Times best-selling author of the new book, Imagine Heaven. And John, fascinating story. So here's a question. People have all kinds of questions about, like, okay, what does the scripture say? But then what do people experience who have had near-death experiences? Here's the question. How old will we be in heaven? Yeah, that's a great question. People <laughs> ask it a lot. And, you know, after, after studying a thousand near-death experiences and the commonalities, uh, I found people said different things. Okay. So it was a bit confusing. Like some people saw their grandmother or grandfather, because we see our yeah, friends not and relatives. Yeah, not at 20, but at 70 Well, at or the age they recognized them last, and, and then others saw kids. So it seems like there can be ages, but then others were saying they were in their prime, you know, like, mm. like around 30 or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And, and so it got a little confusing. But what I found reading enough of them is that it appears that people that were kind of ageless. Hmm. In other words, time works in a different way. Peter said yeah. to the Lord, a, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Right. And people actually say that about time, that time operates in other dimensions. And so it seems like we can appear to people as is most comfortable for them. Yeah, that's interesting because theologians have always said that space and time are created order and science is sort of caught up about a hundred years ago and they went oh there was a time when there was no space and time so that kind of makes sense right that that we will be and and you think it could be relative too that really because there is no time you might appear differently at different moments well and we seem to be our true selves like the mm. very essence of ourselves and i don't what do you know mean by, mean, what do you mean by that well uh, people say that they felt more alive and more themselves when, at, when they had died and, you know, experienced this than they had ever felt before. Hmm. And so I think we convey, even communication is different. It's, it's complete. It's pure. Wow. And so we convey to each other even in a more complete way. So, and, and most people didn't want to come back to earth, no. right? They had that experience where it was so, they felt so alive, they didn't, they didn't want to come back. No, they said, this is what I was created for. This is where I belong. And many people were depressed when they were resuscitated because of that. Well, that's fascinating. That gave me a new insight because I always thought that uh, when you get to heaven, you're going to look like when you were in your 20s or 30s. And I realized uh, that's not the case. You can actually look older. And we'll talk about that in, in just a short while. <clears throat> um, another real good reference, if uh, you're interested in this, is um, a book by Randy Alcorn. He's a professor at Multnomah uh, Bible College in Portland. And he has written a book called Heaven. This was the best book that I have ever picked up on scriptures. Uh, John Burke's gives testimonies and compiles testimonies and connects it up with scripture. Randy Elkhorn primarily just takes all the scriptures ab about heaven and gives you a really good insight uh, into heaven based on the scriptures. <clears throat> I want to just for a few minutes take a look at what are our bodies going to be like? What is life in heaven like? One of the things we know from 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, is that our bodies are going to be transformed to become like Jesus' body. So the big question is, what was Jesus' body like when he rose again from the dead, when he had his body after death? Because that's the kind of body that we will have. So the first thing uh, I, I want to look at is that we will possess an electromagnetic life force given to us. When God created life, and, I, and he created uh, the heavens and the earth, the first thing he created was light. Light, light is an electromagnetic force that explodes into being. And when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, his entire body began to just glow. I don't know if you've ever seen um, people in their best state when they're so peaceful and happy, uh, or women, women when they're pregnant, there's just this glow about them. And I believe that that's just a slight glimpse of the beginnings of what the Bible says we are one day going to be transformed from glory to glory into the glory of Jesus Christ as we see him. And that is part of what life is like. I, I believe that's what uh, Adam and Eve had before they sinned. And then all of a sudden they saw that they were naked because this glory, this electromagnetic uh, glory was ar around their lives. We will have uh, a sub subatomic capacity to move and travel. And this is Jesus. Uh, when the doors were all shut for fear of the Jews, the disciples were gathered together, not realizing that he had risen from the dead. And all of a sudden, he appears in front of them without having the door open. He walked through the doors. I don't know whether you understand this or not, but our physical bodies aren't really physical, that they are comprised of trillions of cells, and all those cells are basically space, more space than matter. And there's a capacity that we will have when our bodies are transformed to be able to travel through objects, uh, whatever the objects would be in heaven. Uh, and this is a really interesting thought. We can creatively morph at will based on the relationships that we have. And that's what John Burke uh, was talking about, that uh, what people expected to see in their friends or relatives at whatever age they were. Uh, Colton Burple was a little different because he, he ran into his grandfather in heaven at age 20. And they had to go looking through all the pictures uh, in the archives in order to find a younger picture of him because the, the dad just had a picture of him in, in his 70s or 80s. But uh, it's really interesting when Mary uh, came to the tomb thinking that there was a gardener at the tomb, it was really Jesus until Jesus began talking to her. And then when the two disciples in Emmaus was walking, they didn't even know that this third person walking with them who was a, a stranger to them was really Jesus until they began to break bread together. So Jesus could change his shape and what he looked like at will. Interesting, huh? Uh, we will all have recognizable human traits. You know, we will have our bodies. We'll be able to, to recognize one another. Jesus, after his resurrection, uh, lay, laid out his hands and his side uh, in his physical body with uh, the uh, scars of crucifixion was displayed, and they could reach out and touch him. So there was 
human recognizable traits. We will have an eternal sense of pleasure, uh, sanctified, holy senses of uh, enjoyments in heaven, whatever it is that you enjoy in life. And right after Jesus rose from the dead, he gathered his disciples, and he had actually prepared this meal for them, uh, bread and fish on the fire for breakfast, and he ate and they ate, uh, and they enjoyed a meal together. And I believe that there's things that you enjoy on earth that you will enjoy in heaven. I enjoy tennis, so I think we're gonna, there's going to be tennis courts in heaven. And those who enjoy surfing will probably have some, I don't know how God's going to do that. It says all the oceans will be uh, uh, removed from the earth. But there's going to be ways in which everything you enjoy on earth, you will enjoy in even a greater way in heaven. Uh, this is a really interesting clip. It's just a two-minute clip. And John Burke continues, and he talks, about, he, he talks about pets in heaven. So listen to this one. Author John Burke is the pastor of Gateway Church in Austin, Texas, and his most recent book is the New York Times bestselling Imagine Heaven. Fascinating read for me personally, and I know it will be for a lot of our viewers. So we get to drill down on some of the really interesting tidbits. Now, Heaven is not empty, and it seems very ethereal to a lot of us. But here's the question for you. There's nature in heaven, right? Like there's trees and water. This is what we yeah. see in the scripture and in near-death experiences. Tell us. Yeah, you know, Carrie, I find that most people, though, don't have a very good impression of heaven. Somehow we feel like it's going to be cloudy and ethereal and, and less than real, boring. And yet, you know, looking at all these near-death experiences, they describe... You know, people who um, describe the nature of heaven, describe what John described in the book of Revelation. There are mountains. You know, he was up on a mountain looking down at the New Jerusalem, the wow. city. There's, there's grass. You know what's fascinating is I, yeah. I show how many of them talk about the grass I got heaven. excited at that part because it, it was perfectly manicured. And why, why, is it, why, why are so many people, though, you know, obsessed with the grass, too? <laughs> well, but I they am on earth. But they talk so. about how it's, it, it's alive with a light that shines out of it and trees and flowers and fields. So it's nature. Like God mm. created this nature. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, it says, uh, you know, the angels proclaim that all of earth proclaims the glory of God, right? Hmm. The creation proclaims the glory of God. So why do we think that heaven wouldn't do so even more? Yeah, and, and so it's a new heaven and a new earth, which is, which is also well, not fascinating. Yet. Not yet, but it will be. But it will be. It will be, and, but it says, you know, that God has already prepared a place in a city. You know, in Hebrews 11, uh, the, the Old Testament heroes of faith, it says that they were looking for a heavenly country. And so God's not ashamed to be called their God. He's prepared a city for them. And people talk about this city, and it's, it's huge. It's a huge city. Uh, and it's full of life and fun and beauty. And So what people want to know, and we just have a tiny bit of time left for this, but will there be pets in heaven? <laughs> that's a question that a lot of people ask uh -huh. and actually the last chapter is the city of god pets allowed yeah and i talk so about there are animals in heaven yes and there are and that's and people see uh animals and and as, what's fascinating is little children who have had a near-death experience talk more about seeing their pets than mm -hmm. do adults maybe because they they don't know that many people who have died ahead of them are they housebroken I, <laughs> I hope so <laughs>
Okay. Everything works a little Everything bit differently. Everything works better. Okay, no more crying, no more <laughs> no pain, no morning more mourning. pain or uh, disease, death, or destruction. So this is fascinating, I'll tell you. You're going to want to get a copy of Imagine Heaven. Um, One of the it, interesting things about <coughs> the grass in heaven, the you know, it, he talks about the light shining out of the grass. So it's not just color, but the colors of the grass and light, it actually, uh, there's movement in everything. And not only is there light, but there's actual music that comes from every light that shines. I mean, it's just, there's a combination of movement and light and music from everything in heaven. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, <clears throat> you've got to pick up the book and read it. <laughs> Another uh, characteristic is that we will possess divine perceptivity. Uh, we will see things, know things, uh, Peter saw Jesus transformed and immediately knew it was Moses and Elijah that he saw. Uh, we will have uh, anti-gravitational abilities. Remember Jesus rising up, ascending. We just accept this, right? He rose up and got into heaven, defying gravity. That's going to be the capacity that we have. And those of you who enjoy flying and uh, getting up into, the, into space, that you're going to be able to do it without a plane. And, uh, and then, also, this is really interesting. I never thought about this, but uh, there will be chorus of angels that will be our helper. Uh, Jesus had angels helping him. The Bible says that angels will minister to us, those who are, those who are inheritors uh, of eternal life. Uh, <clears throat> there's going to be a resurrection of the body one day. Though people will die. And um, we will, there will be a, a group of people on earth that will not die and will have their bodies transformed immediately when Jesus Christ returns. And so, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 and 53 says, in a, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, when Jesus returns in that final trump, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, they will never die again, they will receive their uh, incorruptible, glorious bodies that we've talked about, and those who are alive will, on earth, be changed as they're being taken up uh, into the clouds and into the sky. I want to share this story. Uh, this man's name is uh, Tanosoto uh, Yoshi, Takeyoshi, and uh, he's a minister, 87-year-old minister in Okinawa that I met, and I asked him to share his testimony with me, and this is what he, he has had three near-death experiences. Let me share them with you, and this is what he writes. Many people call on the name of, of God when they face trouble, but if your gods do not respond to you after you pray to them so many times, what will you think? I was born in Hokkaido. After graduating from high school, I took an entrance exam for an engineering university, received a telegraph of acceptance, and my life was filled with so much joy. My father told me to work instead of play. During the period I was waiting to enter the school, he found me a job calculating the number of timber wood in northern Japan. It was cold winter during February, feeling like a stabbing freeze. On the 10th day, there was so much snow, I, I had to wade through it. Climbed on top of the lumber, took out my measuring stick, read out how many feet and inches those lumbers measured. The moment I climbed up, climbed off the pile of lumber, the whole pile collapsed on top of me, crushing me beneath it, and I experienced death. 
my spirit departed from my body. I was walking inside the pitch darkness. We haven't talked about hell, but the hell is as real as heaven is. That place was so filled with stench and with freezing cold, panicking, I cried the name of the gods who had been enshrined on our family altar, and there was no response. And then I remembered about the time I went to a, a church Christmas party with my friend. I tried remembering the name of that god, but I could not, although I knew I remembered his name. I wondered how long I tried to remember. Later on, I learned that in the dark world, positive things are erased from our memory. Therefore, I cried out, the God of Christmas, help me. Suddenly, my surroundings grew bright. And in that moment, my body was raised upward. Surprisingly, I found myself watching my other self lying down on the bed. Then my spirit entered into my body. After resurrecting, the doctor told me that I would never get out of bed, never walk for a whole lifetime. I was to become a human vegetable, unable to live without relying on others' help. But the God of miracles overturned this sentence two years later. Afterwards, I quit going to engineering university, dedicate my life to God, went to Bible school, became a pastor. But after using much drugs during a treatment in the hospital, my health began declining, my liver worsened first. Finally, I resigned from pastor, a pastoral work of 35 years in Tokorozawa, even closing the preschool with it. After that, I began conducting weddings. By that time, my heart, my liver, my pancreas, my kidney were all damaged, and I received the diagnosis of having diabetes, my second death experience. On March 2004, my wife went back to be with the Lord. I was left by myself, 70 years old, tired inside and out. That year, on June 15th, I felt intense pain on my back as if I was pierced by a spear. For a moment, my breath stopped. I got up quickly from bed, swallowed the nitro and the tranquilizer I've kept in my drawer, and the pain subsided. The next morning, I went to the doctor. After he measured my blood pressure, viewed my heart scanner, he immediately sent me to Yama, Yamanashi Public Hospital. I was put on top of the surgery, surgery table, got stents inserted into my heart, and kept inside ICU. On the third day, the hospital got busy. The nurses had all left. No one was in my room. Again, my spirit left my body. Two angels appeared. In an instant, they took me to a riverside. On the riverside, I saw a magnificent tree I have never seen with an indescribable fragrance. I stretched out my hand to eat its fruit, but a voice cried out, don't do that. I dropped my hand, looked towards the voice, and there was a man who beckoned me to come. I crossed the river to his side, and as I dipped my feet in the water, I found that my body did not sink. In a moment, we walked to the pearly gates where the angel stood before the gate. After that, I was taken to a house, a magnificent house. The interior of the house was filled with light, warm light in every corner of the rooms. Those lights are not the lights of electrical bulbs. Rooms were amazingly beautiful. I wondered in my heart whose house I was in. That moment, the angel said, this house is prepared for you. It was exactly how it is written in the Bible, do not be dismayed, believe God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If they were not so, I would have told you already. I return to prepare a place for you, John 14, 1 and 2. By some lack of faith, I never thought that there was such a house prepared for me in heaven, such a beautiful house. Afterwards, the angel and I walked around heaven uh, once, 
long uh, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and then we return to where my house was prepared. Before I could enter my house, the angel told me, you've got to go back. You've got to, and he took me back into my body on the hospital bed. Inside the ICU, the doctor was on top of me, desperately doing CPR. The moment the doctor let go of my body, the angel inserted me back into my body and left, and I revived. For 45 days, I was treated in ICU. All my body organs were at its worst, that I could not, uh, uh, I don't understand that. Water was in my heart, liver, pancreas, kidney, and lungs. Plus, I needed insulin shots for diabetes. After my body recovered somewhat, I was able to go home. Though my spirit had gone to heaven before, my body's condition did not change. Then he describes his third death experience. On August 15th, Friday, 2008, I was hospitalized for heart examination. The next day, I had a heart scan, an MRI, blood test, and an organ function test. Finally, on the 18th, Monday, I had a stent test. In the surgery room, after the test, I began to feel comfortable as if something was going through me, and then my heart stopped. I could hear the doctors calling my name as he applied the electrical shockers. A few minutes later, I regained my consciousness, and in two hours, I returned to the hospital bed, and I still felt unusually refreshed. I thought to myself, how long is this uh, great feeling going to continue? And I read my Bible. My head became so clear as if I was 21 years old again. There was no heaviness, no tiredness, no pain anymore. The agony that continued since I was 75, 77 years old was gone. Since I was 21 years old, I had prayed for healing for my organs, and this prayer had not been answered until now. I met him when he was 87, so 10 years later. I repented many times, fasted too, but this time I experienced a once-for-all miracle healing of my liver, my pancreas, my lungs, my diabetes, and my heart disease. My body became strong like in youth, astonishing the doctors. So he's serving as uh, an assistant pastor to one of the, our best friends in um, Okinawa right now. And he ends this with saying, do you have the assurance that you're going to heaven? Bible promises that whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and his name will go to heaven. I want to close with this this morning and the music team can come up. I remember when I was 15 years old, given this invitation, and I give it to you if you are not assured in your heart that you will go to heaven when you die. The invitation was Jesus standing at the door of my heart. And these are Jesus' words. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Have you opened your heart to receive him into your life? If you have, that's great. You just need to understand what that means. If you haven't, you need to do that. Say, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to have eternal life. Come into my life. If you have done that, 
And if you have made that uh, invitation of Jesus into your heart, you've accepted that, the promise that Jesus gives to us is that when you have him in your life, you have eternal life. You need not be afraid of death in your life. God promises that death is a step through a doorway into eternal life. And that is God's promise to you. Just want to have you bow your heads, everybody. And if there's been in your heart an insecurity, not an assurance of knowing that you'll go to heaven, and you have not asked Jesus into your heart, can you just do that right now? Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. I open my heart to have you come in. Come in, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus has come in. If you've already asked Jesus to come into your heart and you're not sure, I want you to take these scriptures that you have in your sermon notes this morning, especially the ones that promises eternal life, the gift that is given you. And claim that and believe that, that if Jesus is in your heart, Jesus is eternal life, and eternal life is yours. Father, I just pray this morning that for every person that's here, that you will place an assurance, not just in being able to speak words of the creed that we do every single Sunday, but that the reality of life everlasting and the resurrection of the body would be assured in every single heart and every single life. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Lord, we pray that everything that we declare, that we believe in our mouths, Lord, that we would, we would know it in our hearts, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Have a great week, and God bless you.